Let's turn on our Bibles this morning to the book of First Peter, chapter 5. If you're with us this morning and you don't have a Bible, there are men coming up the aisles with Bibles right now. And if you just wave and get their attention, they'll be happy to get a Bible into your hands. And that way you can not only hear the Word of God this morning, but see it with your own eyes right there on the printed page, the very Word of God. 1 Peter chapter 5, a single verse, verse 7, one of the most amazing invitations in all of the Bible, where Peter writes, inspired by the Holy Spirit, casting all your care upon him, that is God, for he cares for you. Let's pray together. Thank you, Lord, for this verse and all that is bound up in it. We thank you for such an amazing opportunity that is extended to us here. And yet, Lord, in our own hearts, we're conscious of how readily and consistently we carry our own cares as if this verse was never in the Bible. And we pray that this morning, by the, your Holy Spirit, that you'd open this passage up to us. And Lord, that you would, as a result of that, make us quick casters of our cares upon you. And so we pray that we would not only understand your word this morning, but that in some of our lives you would begin now a lifelong consistency of practicing this in our lives. And we ask it of you in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. We remember that First Peter was written by the Apostle Peter, again on the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, to a group of Christians in the first century who were in the midst of very, very deep suffering and trial. And he wrote this letter in order to accomplish three things within their lives. Number one, to encourage them. All of us need encouragement. We're in the middle of trials. But also not only uh, to encourage but also to give an eternal perspective to them. So often the immediate uses up all of the oxygen in the room and we lose an eternal perspective at the very worst time. And then third, in order to give them and us very, very practical wisdom and instruction on what we should do related to a variety of things when we find ourselves in the middle of difficult trials. And decision-making is never more important or more critical than in a time of crisis. And at a time like that, so often we're just prone to make any and every decision that uh, may or may not be wise. And so he gives us instruction on how to conduct ourselves and the decisions that we need to make that we face most often in a period of suffering in our lives so that we can make decisions that are not only good for us, but also so that it doesn't mar or spoil our Christian witness when we're in the middle of a trial. Sometimes a great trial hits and we begin to just become frantic and start to do all manner of crazy things. And then in the end, God is always faithful as he always is. And then we look back and we say, boy, I wish I would have handled that better. I actually harmed my witness in the middle. I lived and acted as if God was not alive. And that's kind of a disappointing thing to have happen in our lives in the time of trial. And it's a great temptation. And so here's this instruction to keep us from ever having that kind of a bad taste uh, in our mouth. And so 
Here the Apostle Peter, he continues by instructing us as God's people concerning what we're to do with the cares that arise in our hearts and our minds uh, and, and in, in life in the course of our pilgrimage. And I want you to notice, first of all, that Peter declares to us that cares are universal. We all have them. He says, casting all of our, your cares upon him, and there is the assumption that every single one of us in this world has cares. We have uh, difficulties in life. And the word that Peter uses here for cares, it literally means anxieties. It means worries. It refers to anything that brings a disruption to our heart and to our mind. Anybody know anything about uh, any of that? Yes, all of us are very familiar with anxiousness and worry and disruption of our peace in our lives and the fallenness of this world. And so we all have them, and it's important to notice, I think, that we have them even as Christians. And so the whole reason behind Peter's exhortation here or his instruction here and encouragement in the letter is because all of us have them. We are not excluded from cares or the temptation to worry as Christians. Some examples of what produces anxiety in our lives. It can be health issues, financial problems, uh, problems that arise at work, uh, trying to find employment. It's a great care. Uh, child rearing can produce great anxiousness and worry in our hearts. And uh, so often we think, I don't want to burst anyone's bubble, but we think that we have these children and that we raise them to the age of 18 and then we won't be, uh, they won't be a worry to us or a concern to us for the rest of uh, their lives. It's like a cutoff date. You buy them luggage for their 18th birthday and tell them bon voyage. But it doesn't work that way. Uh, then there are the, the worries that come sometimes with problems or strains within uh, a marriage where uh, one of the partners of both begin to be concerned that the marriage is going to survive the situation it finds itself. And sometimes it can be persecution for our faith or rejection by others for our faith. There are worries in our Christian service where we look and say, is this Christian service being effective? Uh, is there any fruit in this? Am I wasting my time? Have I really heard God? These are worries that can occur as well. And then there's worries about the future and on and on it goes. Jesus said to us as his followers, as Christians, he said, these things I have spoken unto you that in me, that's that singular place, that in me you might have peace. He said, in the world you will have tribulation, even as Christians. But he said, be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. And as Christians, we're not exempt from the difficulties that everyone faces in this fallen world. And heaven, we're not going to know anything about it one day, but for now, there are lots of problems and causes for worry. So it's very practical that Peter raises the question and then gives us instruction on how, how do we handle these cares in life? Uh, what do we do with them? And Peter instructs us to cast these cares upon God. The fact of the matter is that each and every one of us as a Christian, we are processing cares in our life in some way. 
It is, it is not that we are not processing cares. All of us are processing and handling the cares of life in some way. It is not if we are doing that, but how are we processing that in life and what are we doing with them? And so some of the examples that I think of in terms of uh, how we can uh, are most often prone to uh, deal with our cares, even as Christians, uh, sometimes and if, if we weren't tempted to handle our cares in some other way than just immediately giving them to God, then there'd be no read, reason for Peter to write this. So we try to handle our cares in different ways. And I think one way that we're prone to handle our cares is by simply carrying them ourselves. You get a, a type A kind of person, a hardworking, determined, self-disciplined, a kind of self-made man or woman. And they look at the cares that come upon their life in the course of life, and we tend to look at them and say that that's my problem, that's my care, that's my difficulty, and uh, I don't have the right to roll that off on anyone, and so we feel that it's our responsibility to work it out and to fix it on our own. And those that have that strong work ethic and that strong sense of personal responsibility really need to be careful here. Because those of you who are like that, you can end up finding yourself very near the end of your life and realize, I carried all of my cares for my three score and ten years and maybe even more. And to realize, I can't remember when I cast a single care upon the Lord. And we bore all of that weight all the way through our lives. And, 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 and when these cares begin to mount up in our lives and this kind of a person, we just simply roll up our sleeves a little bit further, work a little bit harder, and we fix our own problems. Now, there's a, a sense, again, of personal responsibility that's very commendable in, in some ways uh, related to that, but it is to live way below the life that Christ has purchased for us. On the cross, the main problem with this kind of approach is that ultimately life or the cares or the problems in life will become greater than our resources. It will become greater than our strength, greater than our determination, greater than our self-discipline, greater than our determination or our work ethic. Sooner or later, every single one of us comes to a place where we face something in our life that we cannot work ourselves out of. We cannot resource ourselves out of. We cannot uh, determination ourselves out of this. Again, some examples of this. How about a worldwide economic crisis? I don't know how many of you have control over that. I have very little control. It can be a major health issue, it can be a wayward child and so forth. Something happens in life ultimately that there is this situation and this problem, this care is way beyond my ability to solve. And ultimately life becomes bigger than our personal resources, whether it's material or whether it's physical or whether it's emotional or whether it's mental. And thus there is no true peace to be found in the very severe finiteness of our own resources. 
the source of our peace in life must always be greater than all of the things in life that can rob us of our peace. And not all of them one at a time. But even if all of them unite together to hit us all at the same time, we will never know peace in this life until the source of our peace is greater than everything that can rob us of our peace. And there is only one source in this life that is greater than all of that, and that is God. And thus, we can never find peace in our own personal uh, who we are or what we have or the amassing some amount of material wealth. Life is way too big and life is way too uncertain for that. Ultimately, it outstrips everyone but God and his resources. And perhaps you are here this morning and that's the great lesson of your life right now. You've hit something in your life that outstrips all of your resources for the very first time in your life. It's a, it's a difficult thing to face. To have all of this and all of this mentally, all of this in terms of talent, all of this in terms of strength and determination and a body and a mind and a heart and all of it to move forward. And one thing after another that you face in life you've conquered and then all of a sudden one day you wake up and this thing comes into your life. And it's filled you with fear. And a sense of smallness and powerlessness that you've never known before. And if you're not yet a Christian, the great and priceless thing that can come out of this season in your life is to cause you to realize that life is bigger than you, but it's not bigger than God. And it causes you to then put your faith in Jesus for the forgiveness of your sin and to begin a personal relationship with this God. Is the only source of peace in this world. If you're a Christian here this morning and you know you're on your way to heaven, but you've never known what it means to depend upon the Lord to take care of you. Up to this point in your Christian life, you've worked hard to do that yourself. Again, you've just been the pillar of strength and the pillar of of wisdom and all of these things. And then now all of a sudden, this has come into your life and now you're having to learn something in your relationship with God that others without your resources and without your self-will and your determination had to learn in the very early months of their relationship with God and what you have to learn now is how to cast your cares upon God and enter into the peace of knowing that when you do you are casting your cares upon someone who cares for you even more than you care for yourself. I think the second reason sometimes that we don't cast our cares upon God is that we're prone to tempted uh, for a different kind of personality to cast our cares upon other people. Our first response, our first reflex is to get on the phone or to get on Facebook or to send off an email or uh, to you know, schedule a lunch or a cup of coffee with somebody and get face to face with another person and now endeavor to find some source of peace in this other relationship by now taking my care, casting it upon them uh, in, in some way and, and turning to others for help. But 
typically what occurs is it's only to find out that they have enough problems of their own. (laughs) They or we may be willing to listen to problems. Uh, But taking your problems on as my problem and then having the ability to fix those problems, that's not something that uh, anybody else really has the resources to do. And even if they do agree to tackle our problems for a while, it's only to discover that they're as powerless to fix them as we are. So all it does is it gains us just a few days or hours or weeks or months of thinking that something's being solved. And then third, I think sometimes, and especially in this culture, but it's universal really all around the world, sometimes we're prone to try to escape our cares by medicating ourselves in order to block them out of our conscious mind. And so we turn to alcohol, we turn to drugs, uh, we turn to entertainment, we turn to some other form of escapism. And we give up the hope of being able to escape the care altogether, the cares of life. But we feel that I can sustain myself if I am able to escape in blocks of hours each day and then to return to those cares. But I want us to notice that God's counsel, his instruction to us concerning what to do with our cares is that we're to cast them upon him. And the word casting literally means to throw, to cast, and then get this. Literally in the Greek, this is what it means. To make responsible for. That's the invitation of God. To throw or to cast upon or to make responsible for our cares upon the Lord. Now, does God invite us and and say, listen, cast all of your cares on me. And I'll worry over your cares. In a, you think you know how to worry. I'll worry for you on an infinite level. Is that why he's telling us to cast our cares so he can become the great worrier in heaven for all of us? Now he calls us to cast our cares upon him so that he can really he can carry those cares for us. When God invites us to cast our cares upon him, we do it with the confidence That as we put these things onto his lap, he will take care of the situations which worry us. In other words, he will become actively involved in the situation to work it together for our good. And as the old saying goes, for his glory. So when we cast our cares on him, it isn't that we're doing nothing. We're doing the most proactive. Sometimes people think that faith or casting our cares upon God is to essentially do nothing. It it is to be the most effectively active in a situation that a person can possibly be. Because when we cast our cares upon God, it isn't that he says, all right, I've got the big shoulders. I can carry cares like nobody else can. But by the way, they'll never get solved. I just carry them for you. And when we cast our cares upon God, he actively goes to work to solve those cares for us. But I need to remember that as a Christian, I'm invited to cast my cares upon him and I'm instructed to do so. But I'm not free to dictate to him once I do that how he is to resolve the problem. 
So I got I have to give him the time and the faith that he requires to do in the situation what he knows is best to do in the situation. I was I don't know how, how valuable God considers your counsel to him about the problems in your life. I suspect it's he's probably about as excited about it as he is with mine. A very terrible counselor. There are so many tips that I've given God that once the whole thing plays out, if he had done what I had thought was the absolutely anybody could see it, I mean, this is so obvious that this is the way this needs to go, and he does it a completely different way, and it's unbelievably better than what I had in mind. I was reading the other day, and there's a classic devotional called Streams in the Desert, don't look for January if you want to find it. It's May 5th. I don't read devotionals like other people. I read several at once, so it puts me in a lot of different places in the devotionals. So I was reading the other day from May 5th, and the title of the devotional was The Key to the Wind. And the writer wrote this. He said, sometimes, sometimes since in the early spring, I was going out at my door when round the corner came a blast of east wind, defiant and pitiless, fierce and withering, sending a cloud of dust before it. I was just taking the latch key from the door, as I said, half impatiently. I wish the wind would, and I was going to say change, but the word was checked and the sentence was never finished. And as I went on my way, the incident became a parable to me. There came an angel holding out a key, and he said, My master sends thee his love, and he bids me give you this. What is this, I asked, wondering. The key of the winds, said the angel, and disappeared. Now, indeed, should I be happy? I hurried away into the heights whence the winds came and stood among the caves. I will have done with the east wind at any rate, and that shall plague us no more, I cried. And calling in that friendless wind, I closed the door and heard the echoes ringing in the hollow places of the cave. I turned the key triumphantly. There I said, now we have done with that. What shall I choose in its place, I asked myself, looking about me. The south wind is pleasant. And I thought about the lambs and the young life on every hand and the flowers that had begun to deck the hedgerows. But as I set the key within the door and it began to burn my hand, what am I doing? I cried. Who knows what mischief I may bring about? How do I know what the fields want? Ten thousand things of ill may come of this foolish wish of mine. Bewildered and ashamed, I looked up and I prayed that the Lord would send his angel yet again to take the key. And for my part, I promised that I would never want to have it anymore. But lo, the Lord himself stood by me and he reached his hand to take the key. And as I laid it down, I saw that it rested against the sacred wound print. And it hurt me indeed that I could ever have murmured anything wrought by him who bears such sacred tokens of his love. And then he took the key and he hung it on his girdle. Dost thou keep the key of the winds, I asked? I do, my child, he answered graciously. And lo, I looked again and there hung all the keys of my life. 
And he saw my look of amazement and asked, Didst thou not know, my child, that my kingdom ruleth over all? Over all, my Lord, I answered. Then it is not safe for me to murmur at anything. And then did he lay his hand upon me tenderly. My child, he said, Thy only safety is in everything to love and trust and praise. And it's true. God is not there to fight and not there to resist. He is there to surrender to and then to rest in on the other side of that surrender. Well, that then raises the question, what does this look like? How in the world does a person cast their cares upon the Lord practically? And it occurs by handing the care over to the Lord uh, very, very simply in prayer. Let me give you a verse. Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. Paul wrote and he said, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your heart and minds through Christ Jesus. So how do I cast my care upon him? Do I have to, you know, take a shuttle up into the heavens or something like that? No, just pray to the Lord something like this. Lord, at your invitation, I take this care and I cast it upon you to carry and to solve in your own way and in your own time. That's how we deliver our cares from our own heart and our own mind and deliver them to the Lord. And it really is that simple. Now, a great many of us find that we don't have any difficulty at all casting our cares on him. Our difficulty is in leaving them there. Because no sooner do we cast our care upon the Lord then we find ourselves filled with relief and filled with peace at the moment, you know, while we're engaged in the prayer. But no sooner do we rise up from some position of prayer and we begin to walk out of the room and into the day that we discover that we have loaded that care back up into our backpack and we're carrying it once again ourselves. The casting of, of our cares is easy. Not taking it back, that's the harder thing. How do we know we have truly cast our cares upon him when I cease to worry about the situation? And how do I know when I have failed to cast my cares upon him and really left it there is when I continue to worry or be concerned about that particular situation? So I think it's important to understand what in the world do we do when the care comes back? That is, I cast my care upon God, but then I find myself carrying it again. And I need to remember, I I need to immediately, rather immediately, return that care to the lap of God, to the lap of God, when I am conscious of the fact that I have taken it off of him and I'm carrying it once again. Because that care at that moment that I have delivered to him and now I have taken back and am caring, that care is doing what the, in the words of the Apostle Paul in his letter to the second letter to the Corinthians, that care is exalting itself against the knowledge of God. And so I exalting itself against what I know to be true about God. So I become conscious that 
I gave that to God five minutes ago. Why in the world am I carrying this again? And I returned it to the Lord with a prayer that might go something like this. Lord, your word tells me that I'm to cast my cares upon you because you care for me. And thus I acknowledge that for me to carry this care is a complete waste of time and it's dishonoring to you. And because you, it says that I do not trust you to take care of it, I reject that thought, the thought that I could handle it better than you, and I re-deliver this care to you. And you may discover that you have to do that 60 times an hour with a particular care. But tomorrow, you only have to do it 30 times an hour. And the next day, 15 times an hour. And the next day, five times an hour. And the next day, just once an hour. And then ultimately, when it all plays out, then ultimately it's gone. Because no sooner does the care want to come upon me than I am aware of it so instantly that it's just returned back to the Lord. And this is known as the disciplined mind, a mind that tests everything that we allow into our hearts and our minds. And the test is this. If this thought or this emotion that's in my mind, if it matches the word of God, it gets to stay. If it violates the word of God, out it goes. And to cast my own or to carry my own cares is a violation of God's word. And so I, I take it. It doesn't match the word of God, this caring of my own cares. And so out it goes and I return that care to the Lord. And I think it's so important to establish a reference point concerning each and every care that we cast upon the Lord so that when it returns back into our mind, or into our heart, we can say, I distinctly remember casting that upon the Lord. And now instead of allowing it to return to me, I'm going to leave it with God. And by faith, I'm going to wait and watch what it is that he does with this area of concern in my life. Let me say that to trust God to act on our behalf based upon his promises, once again, that is not to sit idly by in a situation. I'm not shifting responsibilities. I'm doing this at God's invitation. The single greatest thing that we can do concerning a situation in our lives is to get it out of our hands and into the hands of God and allow him to become active in that situation in a way that allows him to really receive the glory. Faith is an active thing. It is a living thing. And it's good to remind our little old self that when we put something in God's hands at his invitation, it cannot be in better hands. And that it certainly is not made better by giving it to God and then taking it back on myself and continuing to worry. If you have ever had the kind of person in your life, and perhaps all of us have had such a person, the kind of person, whether it's in wherever it may be in some field of life, where you have a situation that is a problem, it's a concern, a care, and you're able to take that situation and deliver it to this person. And this person happens to have immense expertise in that particular area 
or they have a standard in their own life for the accomplishment of what it is that you want to have done in this situation, what needs to be done in this situation. And their standard is even higher than your standard. And to know that when you hand this over to this man or to this woman, you realize it is as good as done. And there's a relief in our lives when we hand it over to such a person. And that little bit of relief is just a slight little picture, a feeling of what it is to hand anything over to the Lord. We cannot put our cares of our life in any better hands. And, and God desires that our lives would then be marked by great relief and great peace as a result. If a person has a mechanic in life that's of this caliber, we consider ourselves to be rich. An accountant, a financial advisor, a contractor, a travel agent, you just fill out the list, These, then we consider ourselves rich. How much more a God that we can feel that way about in every area of life. A preacher once said, Worry is sin because it denies the wisdom of God. It says he doesn't know what he's doing. It denies the love of God. It says he doesn't care. And it denies the power of God. It says that he isn't able to deliver me from whatever is causing me to worry. It's very pointed and it's very straightforward. But it's very true and very good to hear. I want you to also notice that little three-lettered word in verse 7, the word all. How many cares are we instructed to cast upon the Lord? All of them. No matter what the care is, every kind of care in our life is to be cast upon him. There's the realization there's nothing too big for him. God says, I am the God of all flesh. Is there anything too difficult for me? Well, run that through your mind. See if you can come up with anything. Now, there isn't anything. If he can create the heavens and the earth, all of creation, he can take care of anything within the context of creation, infinitely greater than all of it. So there's no problem that's too big for him. And there's no problem that's so small that he doesn't want to have cast on him. And there's a certain kind of person that looks and says, I don't want to pester God. I mean, this is such a small little thing. Small little situation. He's got bigger things on his mind, bigger things that he's dealing with. He can take care of all of that and more. He can take care of all of the big things that he takes care of and the little things as well. And so everything is to be cast upon the Lord. If it's a care to you, then he's concerned about it. He's a heavenly father. No father wants their child to live a life of Anxiety and anxiousness and worry. And they will work within their resources to keep their children free from that kind of a place. And God's the same way. He doesn't want us just lifting the big things up to him, but the little things as well. If it is a concern to us, a care to us, then it is important to him. And then finally, I want us to notice that we're never being presumptuous when we cast our cares upon him. We are doing this at God's invitation. 
And here's our confidence that when we cast our cares upon him, we do so out of the confidence of knowing that he really, really, really cares for us. Now, why in the world would any of us carry a single worry for even a single day in the light of this invitation from God? And may I suggest to you, because I think that Peter is clearly implying it here, that most often we carry our own cares because we lack the absolute confidence that God cares for us. Or we do not understand and appreciate the full degree to which he really, really cares for us. And because we doubt it, we believe that we have to carry our cares for ourselves. God cares. And the word care that's listed there, it means to care. It means to be concerned about, to be interested in. In, If I doubt his concern for me, then I'll never cast a care on him. It's just as simple as that. If I doubt that he's interested in me, if I doubt that he has any concern about my cares, if I doubt any of these things about him, then I won't leave my cares with him. But if I'm absolutely confident of his great, great concern for me, then it will be effortless to just joyfully cast my cares upon him and then to let it rest there upon him. And this is the key to me of casting our cares upon God and leaving them there to recognize this is his heart toward us. It's one of the great things about growing a little, uh, uh, growing older in the Lord and having a history with him that moves from days and months to years, and then even into decades and decades, is one of the things that we learn as time goes on. We see how good he's been to us, how gracious he's been to us, how many times we've failed and he's picked us up, how good and how faithful he's been to us over and over and over and over and over again. That we realize that the love of God for us, his concern for us, isn't just words on a page, but that he's demonstrated it time and time again, over and over again in our lives. And one of the great consequences of developing that kind of a history with God is to really be confident, become confident and it, it, it's what, and everyone, all of us should cast our cares upon him simply on the basis of this invitation and simple faith in the word of God, however long our history with God is. I'm just saying do it at two weeks old in the Lord and one week old in the Lord and one month and two months old in the Lord. Don't wait till you've walked with the Lord 30 years and you've discovered how faithful and good and concerned and loving he is toward you. When he was all of that at the very, very beginning. But we come to realize through experience how much he cares about us. And that's why the longer we walk with the Lord, if we continue to walk with him and grow in him, it becomes easier and easier to cast the cares upon him because we've seen him take care of one situation after another, after another, after another, for no other reason 
And no other reason for him to do so except that he loves us and that he cares for us. A person can say, how in the world can I know that God cares for me? Well, the Bible says he's already demonstrated in the greatest way that he could the sending of his son to Calvary to purchase for us the forgiveness of our sins, to bring us into this very relationship so he can be this in our lives. Romans chapter 8. What then shall we say to these things, Paul wrote, if God is for us, who can be against us? We know that verse. It's a good one to know. But then he follows that with this. And he, speaking of the Father who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? We can be as confident in casting our cares upon God as we were in confessing our sins to him for salvation. God so cares for us as our ch- his children. He knows that we're but dust. He pities us because of it. He knows the difficulty of the world that we live in. One day it will give way to a new heaven and a new earth, but it hasn't done that yet. And he understands the things that we face in this world from without, life around. And then for some of us, the greatest problems that we face in life come from within. All of our quirks, our personalities, the paranoia, the crazy, the depression, the this, the that, the what, these tendencies that all of us have and where we become our own worst enemies in this Christian life. The Lord understands everything. And when we cast our cares on him, it's with the confidence that our cares and our concerns and our worries cannot be entrusted to better hands. No one loves us more than God loves us. And no one wants the very best for our lives than God does. And God wants us to know that and he wants us to find rest in that. He does not want us to have a care-filled Christian life. He will not only carry our cares, but he will then become actively involved in them and the solving of them. That's his promise. One of the most priceless verses in all of the Bible. The emphasis is on the word casting in the passage. And the idea is that none of us as Christians would leave this room today carrying a single care in the light of this word from the very throne of God right here in the Bible, but to cast them rather upon the Lord. And if you know the Lord and love the Lord this morning, then cast your cares upon him out of the knowledge of how much he cares for you. And if you sit here this morning and you're not yet a Christian, you've never put your trust in Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins. You say, how in the world do I enter into this kind of life? It all begins with you confessing your sin to God, that you are a sinner, asking him for forgiveness as you put your trust in Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins. God's Holy Spirit will come into your life right where you're seated this morning. And you'll be born again and begin a personal relationship with God And now have that relationship in which you can cast your cares upon him. 
Sometimes people come to know the Lord when they're very on top of the world, and that's fabulous. But a very large number of people come to know the Lord when their whole world is in flames. It's all crashed and burning around them. And then the single great thing that can happen in in a person's life is then they give their life to the Lord. The Lord can restore everything else in five minutes. But your salvation, where you will spend eternity, that's bigger than everything else in life. And that's the one thing God can't decide for you. I, God can force you to be saved, but he won't. I can't and I want to. That decision you have to make on your own. And so often the circumstances of life bring us to this place where now, all right, now for the first time in my life, I'm face to face with a single great question in life, the single great decision in life. And that is giving my life to the Lord and then entering to to the relationship that is described here and now having a God that you can cast your cares upon because he cares for you. Life becomes bigger than all of our resources, no matter who we are. And we need the God of this Bible to be our God. I'd like us to just, I'd like to have Samuel and the worship team come out. And there's an old song. I want to give us a chance to respond to this. There's an old song that is taken right from this verse. I cast all my cares upon you. Some of you will recognize it. Some of you will go, where did that song come from? It's a great song to have in our hearts to just sing to the Lord. You put it to memory. You can do it almost instantly. But to take just a couple of minutes before we leave here this morning and to not just know all of this, but now to take these cares and have a reference point where I say, I am casting this care upon you, Lord.